kick it. Welcome to the Blitz with Rob and Chris. Rob, what it do? Man, what's up? That's my favorite hip hop group of all time. I got my uh my my, my tribe called Quest shirt on, and I'm also at the same time repping my UL uh, Raging Cajuns, who who took care of business against Georgia State in overtime on national television on Saturday. I was proud of them boys. Yeah, you better be repping somebody other than Florida State. <laughs> you ain't looking like nothing right these days. Man, we want to buy week this week, man. Leave us out of it. Look, bro, today I felt like I was back in the game on, on a line, D-line. Uh, my son wants that new Xbox. <laughs> so I was up in that <laughs> I didn't mug at work refreshing like crazy. Hmm. So I got that Xbox on lock pre-order. Holla at your boy. It's going to be a good Christmas this year. Nice, nice. So, what's the? Uh, I'm not into the video games anymore. I know they just released the PS5. What's the? What's the time frame on Xbox? Oh, look, I got. I'm on a pre-order list for the PS5 too. He changed his mind. Oh so, man. So they both dropping in November. So uh, okay. I, I told I told the wife I'm a uh, return to PS5, but but secretly I think I'm gonna just keep that joint and, <laughs> and hide it, hook it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna come. Hopefully the Rona calms down. I'm gonna come see y'all around Christmas time and, and get my annual game in on y'all. Yeah, bro, we'll have we the new Madden up to date. But, uh, man, look, they got a lot going on in sports, uh, you know, college football kicking off, SEC kicking off, Florida State at Miami. You got the Western Conference, Eastern Conference finals in the NBA, week three coming up. So let, let's get it started. Let's talk about basketball. We recording on Tuesday night right after the Lakers-Nuggets game. Nuggets pulled out a victory. They really could be up 2-1. They, they down 2-1, but uh, they had they had game two in they, in their grasp. They let AD hit a big shot. What's your, what's your thoughts on the Yeah, series? I mean, it could be 3-0. It could be 2-1. Yeah, true. It yeah. could be a lot of different things. I mean, yeah. the Lakers had a chance. They came back tonight. Um, I, I heard Charles Barkley say something tonight that I, I agree with. Like, the Lakers are not the best team in the NBA by any stretch right. of the imagination. They just have – they happen to have the two highest-rated players on the same roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at any given time, if those two highest-rated players don't play to their maximum potential like, they, like tonight, that team stands to – lose a basketball game because right. when you look up and down the roster they don't have anybody else that they can necessarily just count on i think that the next highest score tonight was contavious carwell pope with, with 12 points but neither lebron or um well i think lebron finished with 30 but he got like a late meaningless basket yeah. um you need those guys to legit be in the 30s uh to win basketball games night in and night out and realistically speaking they only need to win six more games to get a championship right. i think they're capable of that but it also wouldn't shock me if they lose to one of these other teams because these other teams are just so much deeper than them. Um, at the same time, I look at the the Nuggets and what happened tonight with like Morris and, and Grant dropping like a combined 40 points of the 114 or whatever they scored. Like that's I just don't see that happening every night. Right. Um, and so that's why I think the Lakers still win the series. But the Lakers can't overlook this team. This is a team that's come back from 3-1 twice already. And here they are now down only two one you know and they're young they're capable of bringing a level and we're saying all this but like michael porter could be the guy who steps up right. in this game right. like they, they have a lot of youth a lot of talent guys who haven't fully realized their potential and you don't want to you don't want those guys to wake up during this series confidence is a wonderful thing and you've got a team in the nuggets that's not afraid i don't think they're afraid of lakers because outside lebron and ad i feel like they think they're the better they, you know they have if you go top 10 players, I think they feel like they got seven of the top 10 in the series. Right. So while, while you know, LeBron and AD are one and two, they got three and four in, in Jokic and, uh, and Jamal Murray. And then I think, like you mentioned, they got a lot of depth. Right. Uh, and they've been down 3-1 in, in the previous two series. So I don't to think teams with more talent. Right? right. They're not afraid of the Lakers. They're not afraid of being down. Um, they're confident. And, and, you know, when you got that confidence in yourself, a lot of things can happen. Mm-hmm. And I think if you watch the game tonight, without Rondo, this was a blowout. Rondo right. came in and really saved the game and made it close. But I, I think you saw in the end what you mentioned, the lack of depth. AD and LeBron were gassed at the end of the game, and it showed. Mm-hmm. They took bad shots, uh, bad misses, uh, hands on their knees. So, you know, I, They're going to benefit from these days off. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I do think, you know, LeBron and AD are that much better than everybody, so, mm-hmm. so they'll pull it out. But I think it's going to go at least six. Right. And that's what I think I predicted beforehand. I mean, it was starting to look like a potential sweep, like midway through game two. But, you know, Denver showed up like they've been doing um, in all these other series. So I don't right. think we should be surprised at this. That 
I, I think the Lakers win the next game because I think they're going to come out determined. They can't right. afford to let these kids get confident and tie uh, the series. So I think they end up going up 3-1. Um, but then I think that Denver fights back, wins game five, and I think the Lakers uh, at that point put them away. Yeah, I got to give credit to Jokic, though. I, we talked about it at the uh, last week when he, when he beat the Clippers, that the Clippers matchup was great for him in terms of the Clippers not having a lot of size. Lakers are throwing Dwight Howard, McGee, A.D. Adam, and he's still averaging 24 a game. And I think that's the key to the Nuggets really being in position to win two out of the three games so far. Mm-hmm. But uh, but we'll, we'll see. I, I think I think game four, like you said, if, if a guy like Michael Porter can step up in game four, if they can somehow win game four, the Lakers are in serious trouble. Well, serious trouble, right. Just, you know, fatigue. And I'm looking, game four might actually be tomorrow. Um, so I they, think they, it's the Celtics tomorrow and then Lakers on Thursday. Yeah, I think they switched the schedule up because um, originally I think game four for the Lakers and Nuggets would be to, was supposed to be tomorrow, but I think that's going to ultimately be changed. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so it's, we got a series. You know, it's not – It's not. Gonna, I think a lot of people were kind of handing it to Lakers after mm. Nuggets upset the Clippers, but I think we got a series. Yeah, I mean, I never liked this Lakers, like, lineup as constructed, right? Like, I was the one who kept saying that the Clippers had the better team. The Clippers right. would beat them. I still maintain that the Clippers would have beat them if they would have got there. Um, but I don't think that the Lakers are primed to sweep any of the teams left in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think the one glaring weakness for the Lakers is a lack of a three, a consistent three-point shooter. Right. Morris has stepped up, made a lot, but they don't have that guy. You know, I think Danny Green was supposed to be that guy, but he's so streaky. Right. I, I don't think they have a guy that they really rely on. Listen, there's a reason that they were looking for a third score. Right. You know, right. They were D'Angelo Russell. Right. Yeah. They were looking for D'Angelo Russell. They were looking for uh, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, right. LeBron knows. I mean, you, this, they collapse on him every time he drives. And so he's looking for somebody who, you know, is a, a, a guard that can either put the ball on the floor once he kicks it out to him or just knock down the jumper once he kicks it out to him. And and speaking of shooters, when you move to the Eastern Conference Finals, that's all you have. When you go to Tyler Hero, Gordon Dragic, Jimmy Butler, you got to Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Duncan Robinson. Robinson. Then on Gordon. the other side, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Gordon Marcus Hayward, Smart, Batman. right. Yeah. It's a it's a game of guards, and so mm. I think whoever comes out the uh, the East is going to be like a, a you know a, a battle with the the matchups because you're going to mm. have a big team in the West going against a, a a guard heavy lineup in the East. But uh, mm. on the Eastern Conference tip, what you what you think? I mean, Gordon Hayward finally suited up, and I think yeah. I told you he might be a difference maker. And I felt like he was a difference maker. Like I feel it. like, yeah, I feel like uh, he didn't put up, you know, statistically. You look at his stat sheet; he wasn't necessarily a difference maker, but um, his impact on the game, I think, was felt. Um, just you know, from a passing perspective and the way the ball moves when he's in the game, right? Um, the extra pass and whatnot. So the extra I think that, the space in the floor, right? Um, so I think that that series is far from over as well. I think you know we got two series that are quite capable i think that one goes seven games yeah mm-hmm. and uh because i will say this like we give jimmy butler a ton of credit for his ability to impact the game without necessarily dominating with 40 points in this and the third but i think that at some point in order to close a team out you do need that game like you right. need the game where it's just pass me the ball everybody get out the way you know yeah and i, I think you start to look at that do the Heat have enough, you know, scores in crunch time? Like I like Drogic. Mm-hmm. Hero is a is a rookie, and so I just wonder as you get farther along and closer to the finals, do you really trust Hero? Can he really make a big shot when it counts in in a game in crunch time, even without fans? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pressure start to get tight. So right. I, I think it's an evenly matched up, you know, evenly match, uh, even matchup. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't really have a feel for it to be honest. I I feel like I want to. I want to say the Celtics are the better team, but I don't think they've proven that so far. Right. And, you know, you got Marcus Smart. They say he got in the locker room and cursed everybody out. Um, yes. <laughs> they came out there in one game three, so maybe <laughs> maybe it made a difference. And I, I do feel like it's a, a bit overrated. Like, I think dudes just feel like if I curse and, and throw shit in the locker room, it, I care more. Right. Uh, I think the return of Gordon Haywood had as much of an impact as he <laughs> right. chairs across the, right. the room. But, uh, we'll, and we'll while we're on the subject of locker room conversations, there's been rumors this week. I think there's an athletic article that uh, everything that we said about Paul George and the comments that you know he made in the post game, all those things were said apparently by Paul George in the locker room. And apparently it was met with a lot of eye rolls. Apparently before 
the series ended, I think maybe it was him and Montrez Harrell that exchanged words, mm -hmm. I think, about his play. And so I think what he was saying at the end of, of game seven in the locker room was essentially this offseason, we can all put in the work, get to know each other better, come together as a team, and we'll show up next year that much more ready to go and tight, uh, you know, as a squad in, in knowing each other, essentially. And apparently that was met with a lot of eye rolls. And <laughs> the word on the street is that, you know, there may be some some moves made with the Clippers organization. I don't think it's going to be as to Kawhi or um, Paul oh. George, but they're saying that they might want uh, a scoring guard in the backcourt. So I guess Patrick Beverly is the guy who needs to watch out. Um, right. Because having a point guard who may be able to knock down a spot up three pointer, but not really a penetrating dish guy, I think that came back to haunt them to some extent. Because you essentially became, you know, ISO, you played ISO ball at the, right. you know, you come down and you just basically give it to either one of your guys, Kawhi or Paul George or Lou Williams or Montres Rell. And everybody was clearing out like they were just right. running ISO plays. No offense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, my thing to that is like you can't be a front runner, talk shit, tell Dame Lillard, you know, go to Cancun while we in the playoffs. Then once you lose, talk about, you know, this wasn't a championship or bus season. Uh, we got time to get the chemistry together. We were all new. like you can't be that cocky on the front end and then on the back end talk Try about to soften your stance. Yeah, like, nah, right. you can't do that. You can't. Nobody that. wants to hear it. Right. 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 If you're a front runner, be a goddamn front runner and take that mm -hmm. shit on the chin. Right. But uh, let's move on to to uh, the long-awaited. A lot, a lot of people have asked for it, the return of the winners-losers. Uh, so I'm going to let you start it off, Rob, with your, your three winners for the week. So my three winners for the week. Obviously, I told you all last week to watch out for Russell Wilson in the MVP race. All he did was come out on uh, Sunday Night Football and, and throw five touchdowns and, and pass for 288 yards. He had one interception in the game, but that interception obviously wasn't his fault, Greg Olson. Uh, I don't know if he was he was, you know, wanted to help his boy Cam out, but basically just let a pass go right through his hands and, and go the other way for six. Um, so right now, I think Russell Wilson's leading the league in touchdowns, uh, pass touchdowns, nine touchdowns, maybe. Um, so well on his way to, to, to fulfill what I said. And the only part of my prediction is looking wrong is that he's going to meet the Saints in the NFC championship, because after watching this past game, uh, <laughs> I don't know that I, yeah. I, as a Saints fan, would put my money on us to go to the NFC Championship. Right. Drew, Drew got to figure some things out, but we'll get to that a little later. Um, my next winner for the week is uh, who I got in here. Um, Aaron Jones, man. I got this guy in fantasy. He put on a show this week, 18 carries for 168 yards, two touchdowns, four catches for 68 yards and a touchdown. Um I, I, I played against him in one fantasy game and I had him in another. And needless to say, the game I had him in, I, I, I broke the scoreboard and the game that I played against him in, they broke the scoreboard on me. Uh, he's leading the league, uh, I believe, in rushing touchdowns uh, this year also. I think with four, I believe. Uh, so Aaron Jones, well on his way. And I think he led the league uh, in touchdowns for a running back last year. So he's he's well on his way. Uh, he's really been benefiting from that uh, LaFleur offense where they where – Run first, pass second. Um, right. I think I, honestly, I would say the Packers as a whole are benefiting from that, even without you know the added wide receiver target that everybody was mad that they didn't get. Yeah, I think it's still. I think the still the question still remains like, did were you a, a quarterback away? You know, like even if you didn't need a wide receiver, you could use a defensive piece, a pass right? Or something you know, especially you know if we're letting if we're letting Brady and and Breeze tell us that they can play at 41 and 43, right. do you really need to take a first round quarterback when your quarterback is what 37, I believe? Exactly. Yeah. Um, because based on these standards, he might have five or six years left in him. And if that's the case, you didn't need another quarterback for three or four more years. Um, because realistically, if that's the standard, you know, Love will finish his rookie deal and and Aaron Rodgers will still be playing. <laughs> right. Um all right, so my third winner, and I think I have a 3A this week. I couldn't help myself. My third winner is, was, is Anthony Davis. Obviously, I compiled this list prior to him uh, kind of laying an egg tonight. Uh, but in games one and two, uh, he he led the, the Lakers in scoring 37, 10 rebounds, four assists in game one. And then in game two, obviously, 31 points, nine rebounds, two assists, two blocks. But most importantly, he hit the game-winning three-pointer, gave a pregame post-game speech where he basically told Charles Barkley that he understands and realizes that 
you know, he wants these last game shots. He wants to be the guy. The game, the, 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 the play was drawn up for LeBron, but he's ready to take the mantle as the guy who takes the big shot. And um, he hit the big shot. So you got to give him credit there. Uh, he also, though, then stated that he understands that some games he shows up and doesn't really take control of the game like he should early on. He tries to make mm -hmm. the right basketball play and passes too much. You know, and I was happy to hear all of that. But then he came out tonight and just didn't have the level of energy necessary. And maybe it was just a a, a letdown emotionally. You, you hit those peaks. Um, but, you know, I, I was second guessing my pick as I watched the game tonight. Um, <laughs> AD and so being AD. AD being AD, as, as, as you know, Pelicans fans, fans know. We, we know that, right? Like, he's a guy that we felt like, like, damn, you watch one game, you see him drop 50 and 20, and you're like, he looks like he could literally do that every night. Right. And then the next night, he just gives you, like, 15 and 11 or 15. Some nights he doesn't even get to 10 rebounds, and you're like, right. that's just lack of effort. You know, it's, the, it's actually, like, sometimes it feels like the opposite of what you get from Giannis. Giannis right. is not nearly as skilled, but his effort level is so high that he outperforms his skill level. And, and it's easy to hide when you're playing with a LeBron. Right. And I think it right. showed when he played with the Pelicans and you were counted on as the guy. Right. Giannis is the exact opposite of AD where he his effort allows him to outperform his skill right. level on a regular basis. Definitely. Even you look at somebody like Jokic, like Jokic is he's skilled in the post, but he's not as skilled as AD in terms of ball handling ability and shooting ability. You know what I'm saying? He's just right. not the player that he's not as athletic, yeah. all of that type of stuff. But he he's solid every night and won't short you on the effort. Exactly. Um and so, you know, because of that, I was I threw my 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 other guy in there as the winner who I was putting in to replace AD in my last minute change. Elijah Mitchell, I just feel like we got to say his name, you know, say Elijah Mitchell's name. He's the running back. He's the running back at the University of Louisiana Lafayette. I actually refed him in high school um, and I knew the kid was going to be a star Two two people. I knew was going to be a star. Cole Kelly. Uh, who who went to Arkansas. I think he's now at like Southeastern and Elijah Mitchell kid did nothing other than come out uh, and rush 16 carries, 164 yards and two touchdowns against Georgia state this week. Uh, he okay. may not be a first round back just simply because he goes to UL, but look for, he's going to be in the pros next year. Watch I'm, out. I'm going to need you to take off them raging Cajun glasses. <laughs> when you tell me you saw, you ref two stars and then proceed to say Southeastern, <laughs> And ULL, <laughs> I'm going to question that a little bit. I ain't going to let you go with that. Elijah Mitchell is just a hometown kid. He decides to stay home, but he's going to be in the NFL. And, and he is on a ranked squad, so I, I got to give him props for that. They are ranked 19th in the country. <laughs> but I, I had to just throw that out there. All right, let's get to the real winners. I got I got a good list for y'all today. Let's start off with, with historically black colleges and, colleges and universities, <laughs> specifically the SWAC. Look, over the summer with the Black Lives Matter movement, McCoy Maker committed to Howard, the first five-star basketball prospect ever uh, since Rankin started to commit to a SWAC school. Now, you got the man, the myth, the legend, prime time, Deion Sanders, hired as the Jackson State University's new head football coach. This is a big get for the SWAC for the you know Jackson State specifically for HBCUs all around because now you went from having one five-star recruit commit to having <laughs> a a coach who's a Hall of Fame football player who is a you know analyst who is admired by by all people who play football who watch sports um take over the reins of, of Jackson State hopefully I think this means more in that he can attract more talent however he does have a son that's currently committed to Florida Atlantic and if you don't have your son come follow you to Jackson State, um, I don't understand how you're going to get four and five star kids. And another enrolled at South Carolina. I, I right. granted he's been there for a year, but I don't think he's playing in South Carolina. Like it wouldn't be impossible for him to transfer to come home. Right. So you know, I I, I hope Dion is in it for the long haul and really committed. Um, you know, because he talked about maybe going to be a DB coach at Florida State or, or going. Uh, go with Willie Taggart. So the fact that he took this job, I really think he's committed. I, I think it's a big hit, like I said, for the SWAC, and hopefully it brings more attention, more fans, possibly TV coverage, um, and just more eyes to the SWAC. So I, I'm, I'm hoping this is the next step in, in one recruit to now a, a big name head coach and much more to come in, in, in the SWAC and in HBCU world.
And, so, and there's a side note to that. Like, I don't really know totally what's going on with his barstool contract. Obviously, he just announced a barstool contract. Right. And if you know anything about barstool, like they just got millions. Right. Right. Um, and I think they're using the, those millions to invest in bringing people onto their platform. So I know that Dion got a big deal with barstool, paid him a ton of money. Uh, 21st and Prime was the name of his new podcast. And on his first episode, he just announced he's becoming the head coach at Jackson State. Right. So presumably that is the podcast is at least not going to happen during football season. I, I don't know right. how how he's going to possibly do that. So my point is that I think he gave up a lot of money to give up the Barstool podcast gig to go be the head coach at Jackson State. So that would indicate some high level of commitment. But it's really hard for me uh to believe that you know he's in it for the long haul at Jackson State, but we'll see. You know? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Because he because he's not getting the Florida State job anytime soon. Right, and regardless, I think it just brings like again attention, eyes, possibly you know TV contracts to come their way uh, because he's involved in Barstool. If y'all looking for a replacement, holler at your boys. You know, <laughs> throw a little plug right. in. Right there. Yeah, I mean, I, I listened to Twenty First and Prime, and I felt like the blitz with Rob and Chris had him beat anyway. So there you go. I'll let your ball. We, we, we hope. We, yeah, I mean, we, we we couldn't get Jerry Jones and, and Roger Goodell on the first episode, but <laughs> honestly, if if we did, I think our questions would have been better. <laughs> there you go. Uh, my number two winner, Josh Allen. I told y'all last week. Rob laughed at me. Talked talked about me bad on our group chat. This dude is the real deal. I said yes. I said it. He is better than Cam Newton. Cam Newton currently not Cam Newton that we five years Okay. And he, he, he capped off a 400-yard week one with a 300-yard week two, 50 yards rushing, three total touchdowns, and is currently the league leader in passing with 729 yards. He's got six touchdowns and zero interceptions. He's taking that next step. And with that defense, he's, I, I'm telling y'all, I told y'all last week, they're not only, to me, the favorites of the AFC East, but they are a legitimate contender to win the AFC uh, we got a big matchup this week coming up with KC Baltimore. But I'm telling y'all, don't forget Baltimore. They got the best cornerback in the game in Trey White. This don't forget. Ready. You mean Buffalo. Don't forget Buffalo. You mean. The, the, addition of the, the, yeah. the addition of Stephon Diggs is a big addition for them, too. However, I need you to relay to the fans who the Bills have played in the first two weeks. Just say it out loud. The Dolphins and the Jets. Okay. But okay. guess what? All right. You can only play your schedule. And okay. they beat All the right. shit out of both of them. Right. I, well, I I, tell, I I don't agree with that. I live in Miami, so that was our game of the week, right? The Buffalo-Miami uh, game. I wouldn't say they beat the shit. That game was in question in the fourth quarter. And they had that game. At the Miami was moving the ball on them boys. They took a big touchdown pass. I think it was John Brown uh, to, to seal that deal. A young team just learning how to win. Trust me. Mm -hmm. They'll yeah. be ready. They'll be ready. Uh, last winner. I mentioned it early when we talked about the Western Conference Finals. Finals. Uh, Nikolai Jokic. Uh, averaging 24 points per game. Uh, like we mentioned, he kind of took over the, the the series against the Clippers along with, you know, Jamal Murray. And and I just thought he was going to struggle against the Lakers, and he hasn't. He's taken, uh, you know, a beating from Dwight Howard, who's trying to get in his head, but he's he's kept his cool. He, he took over that fourth quarter, game two, almost brought him to victory without a, a great shot from AD. And he, you know, played poised today and just stayed consistent, you know, always, always – staying within himself and uh, let Murray take over in the last, you know, 10 minutes or so in that game to put it away. But uh, Jokic is, is truly becoming, in my opinion, uh, uh, NBA superstar. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's rough to to watch the current Dwight Howard, right? Yeah, it is. Who's like a guy who, who scores like four points and gets five fouls in, in 15 minutes. Right. Um, you know. Yeah, he's a shell he's of himself. About a, yeah, you're talking about a guy who used to be like defensive player of the year and stuff Yeah, like that. he's a shell of himself. Um and, you know, we'll transition Dwight Howard becoming a loser to our losers of the week. Uh, <laughs> I'll start it off, Rob. My first loser, Atlanta Falcons, you know, up 27-7 at half, 15-point lead with five minutes left. And then if you look at the last 20 years, teams up 15 with five minutes left have gone 1,875 <laughs> and six. So, Atlanta, welcome to uh, the, the club of shame. The only thing worse is losing a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl, which they have also done. So all, uh, all under the same coach, might I all under the same coach. You probably one thing be there you now. blame Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator for like not right. running the clock out and all those different things. But now the consistent factor is Dan Quinn. 
and it's the, the Falcons doing Falcons things. That's just what they do. They find ways to lose, uh, and, and they did it again. And, and as a Saints fan, I'm not even mad at it. Yeah, I mean, it felt a lot better before we lost to the Raiders. Uh, another right. person I'm gonna call out is Julio Jones because they they what was it 39, 40 to thirty nine, yep. and he, you know he dropped a wide open touchdown yeah. pass yeah. Um, on a like a you know reverse not a reverse but a, like a they put Russell Gage in that quarterback in right. wildcat formation. Right. Julio gets wide open. I've seen him drop that same pass before in other games. I haven't been fantasy, first of all, so that, that pissed me off. But more, <laughs> moreover, like when they lost the game, he was on the bench looking all miffed and like staring at Dan Quinn and looking around. It's like, nah, bro, like if you need to catch touchdown passes, right? right? Like you can't look around at anybody. You had like three catches for 30 yards or some foolishness. Um, so yeah, you gotta address yourself first. And listen, I I Julio is a great receiver, one of the best to ever play, but too many times throughout his career, I've had him in fantasy too. He's going to finish with 12 to 1400 yards receiving, but too many games he goes with 20, 30, 40 yards. Then he'll blow up and have a 250 yard game. Right. And again, like, like, just can't cover him. Yeah. Like, like he had, I think maybe 30 or 40 yards receiving this week, and he dropped four, damn near 40 points. And mm-hmm. so, just two, you know, for elite receiver, when you look at the DeAndre Hopkins of the world, um, He's just more, he's not as consistent on a week to week basis, but his and, numbers and look great. Red zone wise, like that's one thing about DeAndre Hopkins, you can right. count on him to be a guy that you could toss a, a contested pass up to in the red zone. He's gonna come down with it. And Julio Jones is not that guy, his, right. his especially if I got a 6'4. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that's hurt them over the, the stretch of time that he's been there for, for you to be so highly invested in the guy, your offense to. He right. has such a big portion of your offense, but he's not reliable in the red zone and not necessarily reliable week to week. Right. Definitely. Um, second loser, Adam Gates, head coach for the New York Jets. Um, this guy failed in Miami. I don't know what the Jets were thinking in, in giving him a chance and in, in, in bringing him all like he was going to somehow change the the uh, the course. He of, looked high the, the day he the day he, <laughs> the, the job. he looked high and lost. Right. Um, and the Jets have started off poorly again this year. It, you know, it's a lot of talking by Le'Veon Bell about the offense. As we all know, Jamal Adams wanted out and, and was traded. Um, they looked awful week one against the uh, the Buffalo Bills. And then week two, they followed that up with a 31-13 loss to the 49ers. Despite the 49ers losing Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas on the defensive line, Raheem Mostert, Mostert and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in the second half. And they still couldn't even make it a semblance of a game you know so it, the talk has been like this guy needs to go sam darnold looks worse than he looked last year he's not he's regressed um and so as a coach who's supposed supposed to be an offensive minded for the quarterback to regress the team to be struggling to score points especially against a 49ers team that, that lost two members of the defensive line possibly the best defensive end in the game um unacceptable and, and I, I think i don't think this guy will make to the 10 week 10 of the season yeah, and they said the jets haven't fired a coach mid-season in like a long I don't, I don't know um if it's ever happened definitely not in like the last 40 years or something like that um and so he he may test ownership all rules are meant to be broken right. uh and my last loser rob you might not like this but i'm going with the florida state seminoles you, this you know, is just hate like we didn't even play this week. you're just doing this to call me out we i was about to put joe burrow on my winner list too bro. <laughs> And here you come, yeah. Here you come with you know the Florida. Let, let me tell you why. Let me see why. There's been nothing but unrest about how he handled you know COVID over the summer. They come in, they lay an egg against Georgia Tech, losing to a, a Georgia Tech team that w- that was run by a quarterback that they dropped the scholarship from when Mike Novell came. They had a bye week, which was probably the best thing that happened to them in the last six months. And coming into the biggest game of the year for them at Miami, number twelve ranked Miami. The head coach, Mike Norvell, can't attend the game because he has COVID. If, if that's not losing, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean to, to be honest, you know, the big problem, I think Mike Norvell and that staff, they got a bunch of guys who are supposed to be coaches, coaches, but they're not great recruiters. So the, the real issue for them, I think, is going to be if you can't win games on the football field and you can't recruit, uh, uh, you might just continue to, to go down. Um, and, and that might spell disaster for them. I think that this football season for college football, in a lot of ways, um, 
is is almost like a practice year. Right. I mean, there'll be a huge asterisk of more so than any other sport that we're looking at baseball, all the professional sports, right? right. I think college football is going to have an asterisk. We've talked about this off the podcast. Just it's hard to watch. Yeah. None of the teams really look like themselves. These are college kids. They look like they're still getting back into the swing of things. We'll get into this a little bit early, later, but there's games that are being canceled. Um, and so it almost kind of feels like a lot of people are practicing. And then there's maybe 10 teams that are actually competing for the playoffs. Right. And to a certain extent, it's always like that. But this time, this year, it's more exaggerated um, when you're only playing some. The Big Ten, I think, is only playing eight games. You know what I'm saying? You know, the ACC, you got some teams only playing, you know, 10 games. So, And a lot of them are not playing. Uh, they're all playing conference games. So you right. don't get to see, you know, how conferences stack up against other conferences because you only see them play against each other. And, and even last week. We saw Tulane give up a 24-0 lead. We saw uh, ULL come back down 21-7 um, or maybe 28-7. Um, so it was just, a, like you say, just a lot of sloppiness. Um, Oklahoma State played, I think, Tulsa this week. They only won 17-7. Yeah. Just, um, UL, I mean, went to overtime with Georgia State, right? Right. App State, who's the top 25 team, lost to, to Marshall. Um, it's just it's it's hard to pinpoint what teams are good, what teams are bad. We haven't had the opportunity to watch them in spring practice, very limited fall practice. And now they don't even have the benefit of those non-conference cupcake games that they would start the season with. And they're jumping right in the conference. Um, and so if you got a new coach, if you got new players, youth, um, you're basically practicing on the field. And, and we as fans now are sitting here watching that. And then you got the opt-outs, right? right. Uh, so teams are throwing people out there who haven't started previously because players have opted out. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be interesting. I ho hopefully it gets better as the season goes and, um, you know, teams get more playing games because obviously they didn't have a, a spring practice and they didn't have much of a fall camp. So I think you're seeing a lot of sloppiness out there. But uh, let's move on to your losers, Rob. Who you got? Man, my first loser is Carson Wentz, right? I think I talked a little bit last week about Carson and the pick he threw. I think he threw two picks last week. But the the first one essentially let the Redskins back in the game. And the sheer fact that, you know, he he's already been given this large second contract um, and has, you know, been viewed as this, you know, potentially future dominant quarterback. Some people say better than Dak Prescott and the quarterback of the future in the NFC East. So to lose to the Redskins, who to me are a team that may have otherwise like gone winless, essentially, uh, unless they play the Jets. I haven't looked at their schedule, but that's about the only team that they might be. And maybe not a Giants to say Quan Barkley is out for the rest of the year. Right. Um, but he then comes out, follows it up this week and throws two picks again. Um, and the Eagles lose again. That's a team that, you know, they've, they've mortgaged their future on this guy. And he's more and more starting to look like a guy who is not trustworthy. And, you know, the big thing, you know, we, we watched all last year, um, the commentary on Jameis Winston and, and turnovers and different stuff like that. And I guess the upside to Jameis Winston was his ability to at least score points, right? right? Um, Carson Wentz isn't getting the ball in the end zone. So he didn't get the ball in the end zone this week. 37 and 19 against the Rams. I mean, the Rams weren't even a, a playoff team a year ago. Right. Uh, so to let them just stop you like that is is unacceptable. Um, and Doug Peterson has proven himself to be a Super Bowl winning coach with a backup quarterback. So then all fingers start to point to you. Right. Um, and so I think the other conversation is the fact that the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts. And just like we talked about Jordan Love, first round pick, second round pick, those guys are supposed to be on the field. Right. right. So then it begs the question, did the head coach not have a ton of faith in you when he, you know, when when he decided to draft a quarterback with a second round pick quarterback who's also mobile and who's also played in, you know, a good offense in Oklahoma, like everybody else who came out of Oklahoma, Colin Mary, Baker Mayfield, they're starting in the NFL. Right. Right. And so you kind of got to ask the question, did Doug, does Doug, is Doug Peterson losing faith in Carson Wentz? Me, as a person watching football, I'm starting to lose faith in him. And, and to be honest, I think we've had these conversations off the pod several times. We never saw him on the right. that everybody else saw. Right. You know, he 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 went 10-0 and 0 and got hurt. And it's almost like he benefited from not having to finish that season exactly. because everybody assumed, imagine what they would have done if Carson right. Wentz was there. Maybe they don't win a Super Bowl. Yeah, right? I don't think Nick Foles was better suited to win that Super Bowl than Carson Wentz would have been. Um, and we'll never know the answer to the question, but I think he got that benefit of doubt. Um, right. 
And I think, you know, that kind of spurred people to, to start to talk about him in an air that he's not actually in. And I think that season by winning with Nick Foles was more of an indication of how great that team was more so than how any individual such as the quarterback was. And so I, I think after that time, they started losing pieces of the puzzle. And now you're relying on a quarterback to not only be a piece, but to be the main piece. Right. And, and we've seen since that Super Bowl, that team has gotten worse and worse every season. Right. They've had to let players go. I mean, they brought in Darius Slay, which I kind of thought was going to be something that's going to help turn over the defense. But um, they don't really seem to have it figured out in the running game. The receiver's questionable. They haven't right. Zach Ertz to a long contract. And when you look at their upcoming schedule, uh, they got the Bengals who they should beat. But then you got the 49ers, you got the Steelers, and you got the Ravens. You know what I'm saying? Three weeks in a row. I mean, the, the uh, not like now dealing with injuries, but those would be typically three games that we would just mark off as losses, right? right. And all of a sudden, now you stand at a schedule, you might be two and five or something like that going into week seven. Right. Um, and so, and, and realistically, after watching the Bengals this past week, if if Carson Wentz plays the way he played, that's not a guaranteed win either. Um, Correct. So that's my, my first loser for this week. My second loser, man, my second loser is the NFL as a whole in terms of injuries, right? Uh, it's funny because week one, what we discussed was, and you asked me a question, and I said, I thought there would have been more injuries actually, and like not just pulled hamstrings, but I was thinking more torn Achilles and right. uh, and, and torn ACLs. Boy, was I a kiss of death. Seven torn ACLs this week, right? Um, and just a whole host of other injuries. I think Anthony Barr had a torn pectoral. Um, you had a high ankle sprain for Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley torn ACL. I think Malik Hooker is out for the season. Bruce Irvin tore ACL. Solomon Thomas tore ACL. Sterling Shepard had a foot injury. Nick Bosa. Uh, Nick Bosa tore ACL. Drew Locke hurt his chest. He's going to miss multiple games probably. Cortland Sutton. Sutton is not going to be out multiple games. Obviously, you know, Mike Thomas missed uh, this weekend. is likely to miss more. Um, Paris Campbell, who's the wide receiver, who stood out week one for out of Ohio State for the, for the Colts. Um, now looks like he's going to miss a lot of time, potentially going IR. Um, I think we already discussed Raheem Mostert. Um, and we don't know like if that's a long-term injury or not, man, when you go down that list, it's just, I think they said that's the most, uh, torn ACLs they've ever had in one week in the NFL. Um, and I think we've talked off the pod just in text and whatnot. Some of the games, it looked like teams were moving a little half speed at times. Um, and so, I think the first part we said maybe they didn't need preseason. I still maintain that like the OTAs and the um, just the ramping up of the practices were more right. important. But you got to remember it was the players' association that pushed for the dialed down practices. Right. This is where I think the players would be doing stuff to shoot themselves in the foot. You know, they didn't want the preseason games. They want the dial down practices, and you get seven torn ACLs, and everybody's trying to figure out how did this happen. Like, yo, y'all didn't want to ramp up. Ramping right. up seems like the natural course. Like you could delay the season, right? Right. To me, you would have been smarter to push things back just to get the work in to have your body prepared. To me, that meant that less people had chances to make teams, and now you also have more injuries. So now you got these guys getting called in off the street to be added to the practice squads were already expanded to 16. Right. Um, so now you got these guys just just being tossed in. Um, but who's to say that they don't get hurt as well? So I think the NFL to some extent loses in that. I mean, you're talking about um, next week is going to look totally different in the NFL. Right. Your, your Super Bowl uh, NFC representative now is essentially without potentially four starters next week. Um, and as we talked about, these early games can end up meaning a lot. Now all of a sudden the 49ers might not make the playoffs. Right. Um, and so I think that was huge in the NFL. My third loser, uh, man. Speaking of playoff teams in the NFC, the Vikings, uh, who knocked the Saints out in the first round, they looked awful. They did. They, they, you know, they competed a little bit with the with the Packers, but this week they just looked downright awful. The Colts didn't even have a great game, but the Colts beat them. Um, three interceptions for Kirk Cousins. He was under fifty percent passing, barely even had one hundred and twenty yards passing. Um, just an awful performance. And I, I really don't know what to say. I, I personally kind of feel like maybe they're feeling the effects of. Um, loses Stephon Diggs. If you watch the Cleveland-Cincinnati game, you see what that Stefanski offense looks like. It's a lot of run first, and then we have two solid receiving options. There's Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, but we don't overuse them. And, you know, we run to set up short-yarded situations, and then we 
use our tight. We just use our matchups, right? Good, our good wide receivers and tight ends, and we only throw when we have to throw. Well, when you start to take away from those receiving options, I think you see what you see now in Minnesota, which is an offense that's just limited. Justin Jefferson, he's not ready yet, you know. Yeah, he's not. And and I think this begs a bigger question, right? Like Cousins struggled, and he's making thirty three million dollars a year. And I think as we start to watch football, you see Cam Newton throw for three ninety seven rush for two touchdowns single-handedly keeping that offense with julian edelman as his only decent wide receiver in the game that that who's probably should have got aging, blown out right you know right who's aging it's, it's not like julian edelman is randy moss or terrell exactly Arthur, right? five ten five nine slot receiver mm-hmm. and, and and he's making a million and a half dollars cam newton is we also see you know tom brady and drew Brees looking every bit of 40 plus years old and you got a guy like Jameis winston for the Saints, who's a backup at a at million dollars. And I think it, it, you start to wonder, like we talked a lot about this over the summer, why is Cam Newton on the market for a million and a half? Why is Jameis Winston a backup when you see the play of Kirk Cousins? And when Carson you see Wentz. A Carson Wentz. You see Stam Darnold. Like all these guys look so average. How in the world are they making $30 million? Even, even Phillip Rivers, right? He's making like 30. They lost to Jacksonville, who basically traded away every starter they had a week before the season. Right. And yeah, they came back and they beat Kirk Cousins in, in, the, in the Vikings, but there's no way Phillip Rivers should be starting and, and Jameis Winston isn't. And yeah, I think no way. Phillip Rivers only had like 215 this past week. Yeah, they, they ran the ball. I know Jonathan Taylor had 26 carries. They were committed right. to they commit not, to the run. Yeah, because because Phillip Rivers turns the ball over too much. And, and he's making 30, close to $30 million. And Cam Newton is making two. Like right. that's just, you know, it, you just start to wonder as people who watch the game, like, what the hell are these GMs thinking? You know, what do they see that we don't see? Exactly. What are we missing? Or are we missing? Right. So, um, I don't so know. Are, is there a bias that's, you know, rearing its ugly head? Right. Right. Which we all know. Um, so we'll leave it at that for the winners and losers. Uh, let's go a little deeper into the NFL. Week two is in, in the books. So, you know, I was looking through the O and two teams, right? And since 2002, only 11% of O and two teams make the playoffs. So basically if you start off O and two, your season is basically over before it started. Um, it's not a good sign. Of course, there's exceptions to the rule. So what I want to do is go through the teams in the AFC and the NFC that are O and two and kind of get your feeling for, is it time to panic or do you want to just relax? Uh, Let's start with the AFC. Let's and, go. Let's 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 do these quick hitters. Let's go. I'm gonna say, look, Dolphins, panic, <laughs> Jets. Yeah, and, and let me say, my panic for the Dolphins has a lot to do with the fact that, um, first of all, I think you might as well just throw two out there because I'm right. watching Ryan Fitzpatrick and I'm like, what's the point of this? Like, right. this dude is like 40 years old. We've seen him do this time after time. Right. He's got up weeks. He's got down weeks. You're yes. not getting any better. Like the running game looks weak. You know, you got, uh, uh, you know. A couple of receivers. Let him go get comfortable with receivers. Where why I say panic though is on the other side of the ball. You know, Josh Allen came in there and abused that secondary, and they have like the most expensive secondary right. in football. And, and you have a defensive minded head coach that you got from the Patriots, and you can't stop a damn thing. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I say panic. They look better against the Patriots, but again, the Patriots offense is relative. It's week one for Cam right. in a new system and is relatively limited. Um, but the way they got. Uh, Josh Allen tossing the ball up and down the field on them last week. I say that they should panic. And you're not winning anyway. So let Tua get the reps, right. live reps that don't matter, right? Because you're not going to win and, and just kind of get comfortable going into the future. And I know if you, Brian Flores, like, you know, you're you're still coaching for your job. So you right. want to try to win some games. But after two weeks, I'm looking, I'm like, this team isn't like, you're not a playoff contender. You're not right. a contender for the division. Like, I mean, let's just get the kid out there sooner rather than later. All right, next team, Jets. The Jets are awful. The Jets are absolutely awful. I feel bad for Le'Veon Bell, partially because um, he also did all of that stuff he did with the Steelers and was just hanging out here in Miami and forced his way out. So it's hard for me to feel that bad for him. But Adam Gase is a train wreck. That team is a train wreck. You know, they, I don't, Jamison Crowder is like the number one receiver. Like, yeah. you got a rookie quarterback. You don't want to get this dude to receive to throw the ball to. You get him, uh, Le'Veon Bell, but Gates doesn't even seem sold on Le'Veon Bell. He doesn't seem to like him. Le'Veon Bell doesn't seem to like him. You're an offensive minded coach. Your offense is terrible. Um, they're just, you know, one of those teams. They're looking like 
two and fourteen ish. I'm about to say they're a candidate for zero and sixteen, and, right. and you know tanking for Trevor. But a team that's you already got Sam Darnold. So. Sam Darnold, right? Are you really going to give up on him? Adam right. Gates will be gone. So, but does so does a new coach want to bring in their own quarterback? So, it's just, and we've already had the conversation. Like neither one of us, I don't think that that Trevor Lawrence is the savior that some I NFL agree. teams think that he is. Definitely, uh, Bengals. My boy Joey B. You know, I watched them play. I watched both of their games. I watched them against the Chargers. Honestly, there was a late field goal that was missed that shouldn't have been missed. That game could have gone to overtime easily. I right. watched them against the uh, Browns. Here's my issue with the Bengals. I think you build from the offensive. I think you build from the trenches out, offensive right. and defensive wise. That was my that was my critique on the Buccaneers, and I don't think the Bengals have done that. So they have the skill positions, and they have now have a quarterback. But this man is getting lit up, and we've seen quarterbacks like Jameis Winston and David Carr. Um, Derek's older brother who got hit a lot in their careers and, you know, just torn ligaments here, bad knees there, and it has long lasting impact. So my, I'm not, I think you should relax with them, but I will say that they need to figure that out sooner rather than later, because you hate to see a talent just get squandered um, because you didn't prepare for the talent that you got. Right. I I think you don't, you don't panic because while you're not going to win this year, you're in a much better position than the Dolphins and Jets, and I think you see a bright future. That mm-hmm. the line, his offensive line, has got to get better. Burrow, I don't, he can't make the season the way he's getting hit, and then mm-hmm. throw it sixty-one times. They're gonna be down yeah. a lot, but they gotta find ways to to run the ball. You know, you pay him mixing forty-eight million. You gotta get some value in him and protect mm-hmm. Joe. So, um, but but I do think I, I like what I've seen. He threw sixty-one passes last week, no interceptions. That's the that's what I really like for a rookie to throw 61 passes and be getting hit the way he was and not turn the ball over. Right. That speaks to a high football IQ. Definitely. Uh, Broncos just lost Drew Locke for, for three to six weeks. They need to panic because they got they, they got a coach who don't know what the hell he's doing. If, if you yeah. watch the end of their game was that week one um, Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Uh Right. His mismanagement of that clock yeah. situation, not using the timeouts against the Titans. And I never thought that Drew Locke was the answer at quarterback. I, personally, I don't really think that Cortland Sutton is a number one receiver. Right. Uh, and now both of them are hurt anyway. So, yeah. uh, so I, I, word on the street is they signed Blake Bortles off the street. Um, and we ain't never seen nothing from Blake, Blake Bortles that, that has made us feel like we should be trusting him. So. And I, again, it's a prime example of Jameis Winston should be starting for the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason you go into a season with Drew Locke when Cam Newton and and um and Jameis were available. So yeah, I just, and I, you know, they had this small sample size, but the analytics people were saying that Drew Locke showed potential and showed promise. And I'm like, my football eyes are telling me that right. this kid is not a starting quarterback out of Missouri. Like, exactly. he's just not. Um, nor do you have the offense built around him. To, to, to really be successful. And so here we are, week week three, and uh, Blake Bortles may be the starter next week. So. Good luck to that. Uh, your team that you picked to win the AFC South, the Houston Texans. Oh, oh we could, baby. Don't do not do that. The Houston <laughs> Texans just have hard they, – they played the two best teams in the AFC. Like, let's relax. Like, they played the Ravens and the Chiefs. They were underdogs in both games. They were supposed to lose both games. Uh, have they dug themselves a hole behind the Titans? Yes, but the Titans going to have to play people too. So, um, you know, I, I still got the Texans winning that division. Well, I'll I'm tell you what, they, they add the Steelers I, this week, mm-hmm. so it ain't looking up. Well, the Steelers ain't look particularly great this week against the – the. Uh, I think they play the Broncos Giants. this week. Uh, yeah, the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't look as good, I feel like, as they should have looked in that game. So uh, they had a good week one showing, not necessarily great week two – Again, that's a team I feel like, you know, with Big Ben just coming back, they're still, like, getting comfortable, uh, you know. So we'll see. That That actually I think will be a really good game this week. We'll see. We'll see. Because you got two teams that really can't afford to lose uh, the pace. They got to stay with the pack. You know? I, I don't have much faith in them. But let, let's move on to the NFC. Uh, Giants, I, I think it's time to panic. What you say? You would. <laughs> You lose Saquon Barkley, hell yeah, it's time to panic. And this is one of them, like, you want to go sign, you want to go draft Danny Dimes, you know. I, I don't really, I mean, you go pick up Saquon Barkley, and it's like Saquon's going to kind of protect Danny Dimes. Well, right. now Danny Dimes is exposed. Right. He's out there by himself, naked, you know. Um, Sterling Shepard's hurt. Saquon Barkley's hurt. This is year two for Daniel Jones. You talk about young quarterbacks getting beat up. 
I think he's poised to to get his ass whipped for the next couple of weeks. I think that the uh, Giants just signed uh, Devontae Freeman. They did. Um, so for all you fantasy people out there, maybe you go try to snatch him up because I put I put a bit out on him. We'll yeah, is about to be dunk dip, you know, yeah. dunking and dunking to to Devontae Freeman like ten times a game. I think um, it's gonna it's only gonna get uglier from here. Again, a new a new head coach, right? Who is probably gonna you know drop a a stinker three and thirteen, two and fourteen, something yeah. like that. And when your your number one wide receiver was Sterling Shepard out his bronze tape, I mean, right and. Ain't call, did you call Golden Tate bronze Tate? Yeah, right. he bronze. Right? He, ain't, <laughs> he ain't good enough to be gold. He ain't good enough. Boy, ain't worth nothing. Value low, too low. Uh, next up, we got the Eagles. Uh, we already talked about it. Panic, yeah. man. Like, yeah. you know, this is a Super Bowl team. Like, right. when you've won a Super Bowl within the last three years, you're not really here to just make the playoffs. And like, they won a division last year. Right. Like, you're trying to create something long term, especially when you have a young quarterback on a big uh, new long deal and you went and, and made this big blockbuster deal for Darius Slay like that tells me that you thought like we're a shutdown corner away like right. we have what we need on the offensive side of the ball you, and you drafted Miles Sanders and, and you invested in uh, I think it was Jalen Rager right in the first round right Jalen Rager right? Wide receiver. And, and you still have you know Alshon Jeffrey and you yep. still have uh, Deshaun Jackson like that tells me that you thought you were there and I just really don't want to hear this like offensive line stuff because I mean, just some of the turnovers we're seeing from Carson Wentz to me don't appear to be based on a, a lack of, of sufficient blocking. And, and so, listen, for the sake of time, we got four teams left in the NFC. The Lions and the Panthers, I, I'm going to say they're both pretenders, uh, especially Panthers with, you know, Christian McCaffrey going down. Everybody knows what I think about him. Uh, Teddy B is a dink and a dunker. And, and with a new coach, uh, a team that I don't think was planning on going very far this year anyways without yeah, the take, number one back. I think they said three to four weeks without Christian McCaffrey. That's yeah. three to four losses. That's exactly. That's he's, got four, he's got four touchdowns. He's leading the league, or he's tied for the lead league maybe in Russian touchdowns. And they were 0-2. So, that, yeah. like you said, that's just, right. so two other teams, Vikings. What, what's your thoughts on them? I mean, we just talked about it. I don't know what to think of them. Like, you know, new offensive coordinator, uh, and, and maybe they – Maybe that offensive coordinator thought he had more than he had in Kirk Cousins. But, you know, Kirk Cousins was sufficient for a one first offense uh, with these two solid receivers in a, in, a, in a solid tight end. And what they're doing now is a work. And you talked about it a couple of weeks ago, Mike Zimmer's defensive minded, but they lost both of their starting corners. And as good <laughs> as that defense is, they can't defend the pass. Right. right. And so I think it's time to panic, you know, especially with. The Packers playing the way they are, and the NFC West is loaded out with Seattle, uh, the Rams, and, and the Cardinals. I, I just don't see a situation where uh, this Vikings team can come back from that 0 2 start. Uh, last team, Falcons. Uh, they looked horrible against the, the Seahawks, but they should have beat Dallas. So, so right. what you think I mean, about? realistically speaking, I think that the Falcons are, are what they've been for so many years now. Like, they're like a, they're a team you don't really want to play. Mm-hmm. If, if like you need a win, right? Um, but they're also not a threat to to win a Super Bowl or right. or a division for that matter. Right. But if you got to play them, you're going to have to bring your best game, right? You know? um, so I see them kind of like as a nine and seven football team or something like that. But I say relax because you just never really know. Like I'm not super impressed with the Buccaneers either. Like they almost coughed up that game against the. Um, Panthers, Panthers, and realistically speaking, I think two NFC South teams make the playoffs. And I think that the Falcons are just as possibly that team as the Buccaneers are, in my opinion. I I mean, with seven teams going, right, you you got a a lot of room, you know, for teams to come back. And the NFC East looks like they're only going to put in one team. Right. You know, and so in the NFC North looks like. And the NFC North looks weak, right. Yeah. so we'll see what happens there. So let, let's wrap it up. We're going to get into our picks of the week uh, starting off. First of all, I'm still in the lead after going two and one last week. You went two and one as well. So I'm up four, one and one, two to three, two and one. So let's let's get into this. For the record, the, you know, one of your victories, you actually still picked the Saints to win that game. You just said they wouldn't cover. So I don't really know how I feel about you. I, I picked the Raiders to cover the spread. And mm-hmm. I, that's what we're picking. The, and the, the Saints to win the game. We're not picking winners. We're picking the spread. Uh, well, then maybe so you clarify. Keep your, keep your winner yourself to say. <laughs> uh, first game, big game. Two and o, two two and O teams. The L.A. Rams going against they at Buffalo. 
Buffalo is a two and a half point favorite. Um, who you got here, Rob? I got the Rams. I feel like the Rams gonna win this game. Um, to be honest, with you, I, they, I definitely think they cover the spread, but I think they win the game. To be honest, with you, I just feel like um, <laughs> watching that Buffalo Miami game and the struggles that Buffalo has stopping Miami down the stretch. I feel like they'll have, you know, I don't, I'm not the biggest Sean McVay fan, but I think that offensively he'll bring more to the table than that, that Dolphins offense part to the table. And I think my, my opinions on Josh Allen are well settled. I think Aaron Donald and that defense, Jalen Ramsey, they're not going to allow, you know, this, this, this strong arm kid who lacks accuracy to, to have the type of game that he had against the Dolphins. I think Ramsey takes digs out of the game. And I think that the, the Rams win this game. I think that that's the hate on the road, reeling its ugly head. Look, I don't like teams country on the road. I don't like teams on back-to-back road weeks, especially covering the spread. Rams were at Philadelphia. Now they're going to Buffalo, staying on that East Coast. Josh Allen is the real deal. We stayed on the East Coast times on the whole time. <laughs> See, they ain't ready for that. Look, Josh Allen's the real deal. He's league leader in passing. He's going to show you that he is a MVP candidate along with Russell Wilson. I'm taking Buffalo to win and cover. Give me the two and a half. Next game, we got Green Bay at our New Orleans Saints on Sunday night football. The Saints are surprisingly a three and a half point favorite. Um, Aaron Jones is the league leader in rushing. You talked about how, you know, he he dominated last week. And I'd say that the best Aaron on Green Bay's offense is Aaron Jones, not Aaron Rodgers. And that's saying a lot because A-Rod is playing his ass off and I think playing with a chip on his shoulder. Saints offense, you know, looked looked a little iffy without Mike Thomas. Drew Brees looked like he's struggling at, at 40, uh, over 40 to, to get that ball outside the numbers. We talked a little bit about that. What's your thoughts on this game? Let, let's just be real. The Saints offense is, is not the Saints offense of old. It's unclear as to what's going on with Drew Brees. I will say I was having a conversation with uh, some small law school classmates of mine, and one of them did remind me of this, this idea that Drew Brees – you know, he tinkered with his throwing motion in order uh-huh. to be able to increase the distance that he could throw yep. the ball um, about this offseason. He talked about how he met with his old throwing coach. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the smartest thing to do at 41 years old, <laughs> right before your last season. Right. Um, I, you know, it's not like I'm sitting here watching old film of his throwing motion versus new film of his throwing motion to, to say that that's the reason that he's playing the way he's playing. But I think we both would agree that he's only really completing passes on crossing routes across the middle. I mean, Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, caught shit across the middle. Uh, he hasn't been able to get the ball outside team, Manuel Sanders. Yeah. Mike Thomas, before his injury in game one, only had three catches for 17 yards right. against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that he abused when Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback. Um, and I and I hate to, to throw this out there, but at 41 years old, in the way that game ended against the Raiders, I don't like to see the stat pattern. It makes me feel like yeah. him and Tom Brady out here – you know, competing for first place in all the, you know, all the important passing categories. Right. And as fans, we're trying to see if our teams can win Super Bowls. Um, and I'm not one of those people who thinks that you give the right to a quarterback uh, or any franchise star to run your team into the ground. I was a FSU fan and didn't like seeing Bobby Bowden run FSU into the ground at the end when he clearly wasn't capable of running that organization anymore. So it does bother me a little bit to see uh, – what Drew Brees has given us, but I hold out hope that he can at least retain and get back to his level of accuracy. Cause last year and the year before he was at 74% completion. Right. Um, and I, I'm just hoping he could get back to that. Like at the end of the day, can he throw it 40, 50 yards anymore? Probably not, but at least if he can, there were some crossing routes and some out routes to, they were open that he missed. Um, and the interception he threw, which I think changed the flow of the game was straight to the linebacker. Like, that's not, you just can't do that stuff. Right. Um, and so with that being said, like, I don't think the Saints cover. I'm hoping we win the game. I definitely don't think we cover. Like, I think this comes out to the wire. The Packers have looked good week one and week two. Um, and if if we couldn't stop Derek Carr and, uh, at, you know, and, and Waller um, I, and, and Josh Jacobs, like, can we stop Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and, and, and Adam Jones? Uh, yeah. That was a long explanation to pick Green Bay. Uh, I could have said you was picking them in the first minute. Listen, listen. <laughs> I'm just trying to, as a Saints fan, you know, hey, I felt like I needed to give a commentary on the I feel, loss to the Raiders. I feel your pain. Listen, I want to apologize to Traquan Smith, Keith Kirkwood, all them boys that we dogged out the last year and a half because we talked about them 
like they couldn't produce. And now we're starting to see Traquan Smith had five catches for 86 yards last week, and Emmanuel Sanders couldn't touch the ball. We're starting to see that maybe it wasn't the receivers. Maybe it was a function of Breeze's arm strength and, and, and inability to get the ball out wide and, uh, and and why they weren't more productive. So I, I, I do want to point that too. Yeah, and, and so as a fan and, and you know, as somebody covering the team right now, I, I think that it is not – you should not allow a player to – hurt the team by staying uh by by saying he earned the, the right to stay. I don't believe any player is above the team. So no, I don't believe Drew Brees uh should have the ability to stay on as long as he wants if it hurts the team and hurts our ability to win. Certain dudes have have small windows and we got a talented team with Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara and, and Cam uh Jordan on the opposite end. So I don't I think it's time. I, I think this will be his last year and I think it's time for him to be his last year. That being said, the Saints don't lose in prime time in the Superdome. Fans or no fans, I'm going <laughs> to Saints to win and cover. I think the fans are really important to the Saints in prime time. I will say um the defense was shitty this past week also though. Malcolm Jenkins would look particularly bad in run in run support and in pass coverage. Um, Cam Jordan had a bad game. Sean Payton pointed out this is going to be a bad film study for a lot of our star players. So I think Drew Brees, Cam Jordan, Malcolm Jenkins particularly, like those are the guys that you're supposed to be relying on, and they laid an egg. For diehard Saints fans, that did that not remind you of Vernon Davis in a 49? Oh, yeah. I texted somebody and I said, this looked like the last time we saw Malcolm Jenkins in the Saints yep. exactly. and, and what I will say is that, you know, we could say what we want. Von Bell leaving to go to to the Bengals, that's a separate conversation. Apparently he wanted to leave because he thought he could get more money. But while he may not have been able to cover Waller, I don't think if Von Bell is there, uh, Richard scores that touchdown on third and 10 around the end. Mm -hmm. I think Von Bell plays with more passion in that. And just, you know, yeah, in one support. I mean, you remember last year, he was making so many tackles behind the line of scrimmage. I just around the ball. Yeah, I just don't see him allowing somebody to come around the corner and score a touchdown on a 30-yard run on third and 10. That was just disrespectful, lack of effort. And, and also, I'd say Kenny Vaccaro was balling in Tennessee. So just another, you know, first-round draft pick at safety that we let go after, after a rookie deal. Right. Um, last game, Kansas City at Baltimore. Definitely game of the week. Baltimore is a three-point favorite at home. You're talking about the two best teams, not only in the AFC, but I believe the NFL. The two uh, previous reigning league mvps and patrick mahomes and uh lamar jackson so uh rob who you got here listen i might go zero and three this week because i'm going all over the place but i don't bet against patrick mahomes i'm going with the chiefs this is this might be one of the few weeks we don't agree on any games uh <laughs> listen I, I heard a stat today outside of the in the regular season not including playoffs baltimore has led the the game from start to finish the last 13 regular season games i believe baltimore with Lamar Jackson, with Mark Ingram, with J.K. Dobbins, if they can get a lead early, they can sit on that lead and they can milk that clock and, and take Patrick Mahomes out of the game. I think they showed some weaknesses last week. Uh, the Chargers had that game. They had that game. Yeah, yeah I mean, the Chargers defense – well, I think there's two twofold. The Chargers defense is still strong, right, even without Derwin James. You're talking mm -hmm. about Casey Hayward, yep. um, Chris Harris, Melvin Ingram, Bosa. That's just – and then they drafted Patrick Murray. That's a defense. That's a stout defense. And then the inability to prepare for the starting quarterback because Bear or Herbert was named, you know, minutes before the game started. And I think right. you know, his his arm strength, his size, um, I think caught them a little bit off guard and they weren't prepared for that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. I, I really like the Ravens' defense. Uh, they got Marlon Humphreys in, in the back. They got Patrick Queen, the first-round pick, and linebacker who I thought the Saints should take. Um Calling his name, you know, he's been he been balling out. So I mean, Caesar Ruiz, Ruiz was a healthy non-start. Uh, he he came in, played maybe six snaps for the Saints, but you know we took him um, in the first round, and he's not a starter. So right. So again, I think uh, you know we'll see. But I think that was a big miss. I, I thought Queen was the pick there, but I'm going with Baltimore as a three-point favorite to win and cover. Um, you you had a few things you wanted to say before we wrap up. Sports. Yeah, no, just some sports-related stuff. I don't know why you put it on me. Like, I just wanted to say it. I mean, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, <laughs> has, a, has a racing team. Bubba Wallace is going to be his driver. That's a huge deal. 
Um, so we talked a little bit about NASCAR in the past and, and what it would take to get African-American people more interested in um, to have an actually African-American on racing team. Listen, you know, if you listen to prior podcasts, I'm not the biggest Jordan guy, but, I, you know, I'll rock some NASCAR Jordan brand. That's I'll rock that. I'll rock it, but I still ain't gonna watch it. <laughs> I might watch it. You know, I might watch it. Um, and then just the other thing, like we've been talking about college football and everything going on with that. There are two games now. I think both in the ACC. Uh, UNC Chapel Hill was set to play Charlotte this past week. Um, just COVID social spreading issues. That right. game was canceled. And then um, this week, Wake Forest game. Uh, who's Wake Forest set to play? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. And that's big, right? Because Notre Dame decide to play a full ACC conference schedule. The UNC Chapel Hill versus Charlotte game is not conference, but this is a conference game. So I presume they have to make that up. And you're talking about Notre Dame is a game, a team that, that is a playoff contender. Right. And, and you you think they might make it up if they if they may they may not. Wake Forest is 0-2 and, and probably not gonna win many games. But mm-hmm. you do wonder if it's an LSU Alabama game getting canceled, how does that impact with time and, and, and definitely a game you need to get in for playoff implications? So Yeah, I mean if I'm Notre Dame, I still wanna make it up. I don't wanna definitely. only have, have nine games on my side. Right. So we'll see. Uh I ain't got no Ben shows to watch. I, I watched all my stuff. Uh anything you've been watching, Ralph, before we get out of here? Checking out an old movie I, I, I was uh, just re-watching the other day, War Dogs. Love that movie with uh, Jonah Hill. Yeah, yeah check that one out. And I watched Away, by the way, on Netflix. That was pretty good. Passed pass, pass some time for me. Thank you. Another one, if, if you know, you're looking for something to watch, get nostalgic, Cobra Kai. Shit was dope. You know, it's, it's you know a little kind of kitty drama, but... You yeah, know, you lost, it brings you lost you, on that one. Brings you back to your glory days, if you remember the old karate. Mr. Miyagi ain't in it, I ain't watching. <laughs> but Ralph Macchio is. Get that man his props. Uh, that's it, man. Anything before we go? Nah, let's get out of here. All right. I'll be out with y'all later. All right. Can I kick it? To all the people who can press like a tribe does. Before this, did you